Today's message is entitled, Getting Down to Business, Family Meetings, Family Meetings, Family Meetings, Their Purpose and Their Benefit, Getting Down to Business. Meetings are for getting down to business. I don't know how anyone would be able to run a business without having meetings, So how can you say that you would run a franchise or you're a part of the family business and you don't come to the family meetings? There's a family meeting on a regular basis to help us get down to business. God says, if you want to serve me, even we we looked at Luke 18 uh, months ago about how God says, occupy till I come. In other words, do business till I come. Well, anytime we're doing business, you're going to have a meeting. So how can you say you're a child of God, you're a Christian who's a part of the kingdom of God, but you don't come to any other meetings? How can you say you're a part of the movement of God? How can you say you're a part of the blessing of God and you don't participate in any of the meetings? Mess around and don't show up to any of the required meetings. You know how you get the email on Outlook that says meeting required or whether it's optional? You get you get a required meeting I'm going to show you why today the meetings are required from God. And I'm going to show you what happens if you don't attend those meetings. You're probably going to be fired. They're going to stop inviting you, right? So I want to talk about these meetings. I want to talk about their purpose and their benefit. And I want to explain to you why we meet. Coming together as members of something together a club, a committee. That's what a meeting is. We are a part of something together. We're not in this as individuals. You're not a lone ranger in the franchise. You're a part of the body of Christ. And we exist as a family and the family has meetings. A meeting, watch this now, a meeting, listen, a meeting is where two or more people come together by arrangement. In other words, it's not happenstance. You arranged the meeting and two or more come. So for those of you who say, I meet with the Lord by myself every Sunday, you are one person, that is not a meeting. And I'm going to show you why two or three is more important than just being one. There's a difference. It makes a difference. These meetings happen, why? For us to discuss. Lee Mack, these meetings happen to discuss topics, to handle business, to make decisions, We meet as a family, as a group of people of God to discuss issues in the body of Christ. So what we're doing right now is a scheduled and an arranged meeting. It is an arranged meeting by a host. The host is Pastor Cherry, the Breath for Change Ministry. We are here hosting you in a meeting and we are here, it's two or more of us, uh, I understand that Maisha is on too, so she just took the number up to 12 for the women and the men's are losing uh, 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 even worse now, but we're hoping that some more bros will jump on. Anyway, we're on now to meet to talk about some things in the body of Christ. Let me go to this next slide. Let me show you this. Now, we want to talk about why are meetings important? Why our meetings are important. Why are family meetings important? Well, number one, they keep us in sync. They keep the team in sync. They keep us flowing together. Everybody kind of knows what's going on. 
Number two, it helps us evaluate progress. When we meet on Sunday, I can kind of see who's been coming from week to week. How are you progressing? How are you doing? Are you doing better? From your feedback. That's why I like live. I don't, some preachers, they do a pre-recorded video. I like live. I like real time. I want you to talk back to me. I want you to let me know Did you read the scripture? Did you do what you were supposed to do? I want to know from you real time how you're progressing. Number three, it's an opportunity to get feedback. It's an opportunity to share info. People come on and they share info. It's a place where we make decisions. What do you think an altar call is? An altar call is where we decide to make a choice based on what we've done, based on what we've learned, based on our fellowship and what we've talked about. What's our decision at the end of the day? How are we going to move forward? Number four, accountability. This is the place for accountability and engagement. This is the place where Pastor Cherry will bust you out. He will call your name. He will talk about you online live. No, not really. Yes, I will. Uh, But in a nice way, politically correct. Uh, It's a place where we engage. It's a place where you don't just hide behind the comment. You know, I know people, they don't say anything and that's fine. More people watching. That's fine. But Try to grow to a place where you start engaging. It's a family meeting, which means you're a part of family and your voice matters. Number five, you get a shared sense of purpose. Everybody who comes on here, little Ben, feels like we're a part of this thing. Pastor Cherry has been preaching this family business series all year. We're in our almost in our sixth month of this, and it has been amazing. I'm a part of something. It's a shared sense of purpose. We are doing this together, Tony. So listen, number six, it is an opportunity for personal growth as well. It's a place where you can grow. I told you in the beginning of this, I said, give me 12 months of your life every week, once a week, be online for service. And I guarantee you spiritual personal growth. I guarantee you, you will be changed. Number seven, it's a way to build relationships. We meet so that we can get to know our sisters and our brothers better. You guys chat. I love, I read the chats every Sunday. I read them. I look at your comments. I'm looking to see who's online. I watch how you interact with each other. That little finger point when you, uh, when you put under somebody. You put, and the emojis are hilarious. Shanika is crazy. And Lisa, when she's on, she's a nut. And then Cynthia has so much to say. And then when Antonio's on, he has stuff to say. And Tony comments, she gives those eyes. Tony gives those eyes. I know what those eyes mean. And everybody makes comments. Mama Kane makes comments. There's one comment is so endearing from Daddy Kane. It's don't you see? All of those things are ways in which we build our relationship. And then lastly, number eight, it aligns our purposes. It aligns our purpose. In other words, we get in line with something that God is doing so that we're not all over the place. We get to align with what God is doing in our lives. Let's keep moving. Let me share this with you. Uh, The meeting host should, there's something that a meeting host should do. So anytime you have a meeting, a meeting needs a host. And so we are hosting the meeting on behalf of God. So meeting hosts should or must be, number one, a family member. And you can't have nobody in the family meeting who's not a family member. If you're not a family member, you can't be leading the meeting. You hear what I'm saying? You heard me? So you can't lead. You heard me, baby? No, (laughs) I've been watching too much TV. Look, you can't, you have to be a family member. Number two, the host has to have a clear agenda. A clear agenda. When we come on to host you every Sunday, 
We go through the flow. We rehearse it line by line. We look at the time signatures. We try to make sure we have a clear agenda. Did we pray? Did we worship? Did we have the word? Did we have fellowship? Did we have a time of decision and choice? We plan an agenda. That's a good host. Don't go to anybody's party where they don't even know what's going to happen. That's not a good party. Number three, communicate the schedule. A good host must communicate the schedule. We know we start at 945. Countdown starts, everything pre-service to 10 o'clock. We get on, we do praise and worship, we talk about the service, we go through it, we give you the schedule. Number four, this is a place where we assign action items. I like to come on as a host and I do. I give you an action item sometimes, don't I, Shauna? I say to you, read Psalm 1 or practice this or do this or pray for that. I give action items. That's a good host. Who goes to a meeting and there's no action items? That's what this meeting is, y'all. I'm trying to get you to see that this more today, this whole idea of this myth, I don't need church and blah, 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 is a farce. It's a phony. And I'm going to show you why it matters. You need to get items assigned to you. Otherwise, all you do is come to church, sit around and just take and you don't do anything to build the kingdom. Number five, the host must encourage inclusion and feedback. That's why I call everybody's name. I call baby sister. I call Riri. I like Sharita. I like to call everybody's name. I call D-Lo. These are affectionate names to me. Yes, she's Dr. Dolores Thompson, but these are names. I, I like to encourage inclusion. Everybody matters. Everybody gets a chance to give feedback. I encourage you to chime in on the comments. Number six, it gives an intentional atmosphere and, and meeting <clears throat> location. So the host must have an intentional atmosphere and meeting location. We take great measure to make sure I got the little stickly things behind me. I, I make sure we have a nice little black picture there. We've got a TV screen. I try to dress up and try to be nice. I try to make sure the lighting is such a way to where you benefit. We try to create an atmosphere. We like to make sure that it is done well. You don't come on here and you see static lines and squiggly screeches and all that. And it's not a good. No, it's about location. It's about atmosphere and you feel good. You should feel good about this meeting. Everybody tracking? And the last one, number seven, is have fun. A good host should always be able to have fun at the meeting. Just a little break the ice fun. And so today's fun is we're counting all the bros. Please, somebody let me know if we got any men jumped on. Send a text out, please. We need to beat the women today. We need more, more men than women on today. So just even if they come on for like two seconds, seconds they count. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's what your host should do, all right? Let's take a look at a text. Let's talk about, let's look at these texts now. I want to show you some biblical texts that tell us why we should meet regularly and consistently. I'll say that again, why we should meet regularly and consistently. Many people say, I don't have to go to church. Maybe I don't have to go to church. I can do it on my own. Well, today's sermon will dispel that myth once and for all. I'm going to tell you why meetings matter. Just it, just give me a thumbs up. Y'all know anybody in the working world. You had a meeting within the last month with somebody at your job, right? Meetings happen all the time. But we want to learn how to make our meetings matter and get the most out of them. So after today's sermon, you will see why it is important for you to participate in the family meetings and as often as possible. If you miss the meetings, though, you miss the move. 
And I'll have to say that if you miss the meetings, then you miss what God is doing. You miss the move of God because the move of God is not, God is not moving the kingdom with you. God is moving the kingdom with the kingdom. That's everybody. So God is not picking you out saying, I'm doing my thing with only you. No, if you miss the meeting, then you miss the move. I like that. You miss the meeting, you miss the move. So let's take a look at our first text that tells us why meetings are important. The first text is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, he says, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And here's the key verse, 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. In other words, people practice this. This is what some people do. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want you to see that last part. As you see the day drawing near, don't forsake getting together. As you see the day drawing near, don't forsake getting together. So here's our first point. Leave it there. Family deadlines. We meet because there are family deadlines. There are deadlines in this business that God has a time frame in which he wants to do something in your life. And if you miss the meeting, then you miss what you're supposed to be doing in this week that is ahead of us. We meet because there is urgency in that day is coming. We see in Hebrews that Jesus, that God was saying, he was saying there is an urgency. As you see the day approaching, keep meeting, meet with consistency. In other words, we're in the last days, y'all. If you look outside and you look at what's happening with COVID and the racism and the police brutality, if another video pop up with us being knocked out and killed and lied to all over this land and all this racial hatred and, and bipartisan uh, uh, or this d d um, division of, of politics and all of that, it's just destroying what God has put together. So if you can't see that the lies are rising, that wrong is being called good and good is being called wrong, that there is an urgency. So you can't miss the meetings because God has to do something in the land and he has to do it quickly. So he says, make sure you're at the meeting so we can encourage everyone as quickly as possible. Prepare for the deadlines. Come to the meeting so you can meet the deadlines. There's an urgency. So let me give you an example. When Joy, me, Joy, and Shauna were planning for the Easter service, I called a meeting. We called a meeting because Easter was the next Sunday. Now we had been planning previously, but there were some things we needed to finalize. So we had to call a meeting before the next Sunday. In other words, there's an urgency. God, I'm trying to get you to see this. 
that God wants to do something in somebody's life around you and you keep missing the meetings. And there's an urgency that you need to meet because there's a deadline. God dog it. You never know. And that's, that's the thing. You never know when somebody's time is up. You can't just assume that they'll be there next week. God says, be at the meeting because God knows all things. He's omniscient. He knows who you're going to come across next week and you need to be ready. And if you were at the meeting on Sunday, you would have known what to do and how to respond. I want you to be clear. The day is approaching. There are family deadlines that we need to make sure we meet. So he says, draw near. Here's some of the the things I pulled out from those verses 19 through 25. He said, draw near. He said, come on, come on, everybody gather in close. In other words, he said, secondly, he said, hold fast. He says, in other words, draw near and hold fast. Does that sound like somebody standing home in the bed by themselves and don't want to connect with anybody? No, God's call is to draw near, hold fast, provoke toward a good goal. In other words, let's get online and encourage each other to do better. That's all I'm trying to do. Give a shout out to Tony. Give a shout out to Mama Kane. Give a shout out to Romeo and Terry to say you matter and your gifts matter and you're important to the body. So he says, don't forsake meeting together because if you do forsake it, the day will arrive and you won't be ready to respond accordingly. Let me move on. That's one reason because there are deadlines. We meet because there are deadlines. Are you tracking with me? Number two, let's go to the next passage. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. And many of you know this scripture. Many of you know this scripture. He says, where two or three are gathered, have gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. So here's the second reason why we come to meetings. Here's the second meeting. Family decisions. The first one is family deadlines. The second one is family decisions. God wants you to know that there are pending matters in this meeting today. That this particular passage is talking about family decisions. That there are decisions that need to be made about stuff in our lives. God. And that's why some stuff lingers on. It just goes on and on and on because you don't have the courage or the faith to make a decision about it. So the Bible in this context in Matthew 18, I only picked verse 20, but the Bible is talking about he says, if if someone does something wrong in the body of Christ, he says, you need to make a decision about how to handle that situation. So he says, you know, if somebody does something, he says, whatsoever you bind on earth, I will bind it for you. He says, if you loose it on earth, I will loose it in heaven. So the point is, God says, whatever it is you need to make a decision about in your life, come to the meeting where two or three are gathered in my name. He said, I'll be there to help you decide. What do I need to do about this business? What do I need to do about my child who is acting up? What do I need to do about my marriage? We're having trouble. The Bible says that's why your husband and wife ought to come to worship together because God speaks to all everybody. So the point is there are decisions that are pending and looming in your life. And God says, 
I will come in the midst where two or three meet to discuss what needs to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God says, I will help you decide. Ah. So he says, whatever you decide to bind, he says, I will have already bound it in heaven. He says, whatsoever you loose on earth, I will loose. In other words, it's up to God says, I'll be in the meeting. Ah, so that whatever Pastor Cherry preaches, whatever you pray at the altar, whatever you confer with the Holy Ghost, he says, whatever you decide to do, he says, I'll stand by it. Woo! Are you willing to miss meetings like that? You insane. Meetings to decide. Actual summons God. Listen, when you have meetings to decide, they actually summon God. Where two or three come together to decide on something, you are summonsing God. So when we meet on Sunday to decide about how to live our lives, we are summonsing God. Our meeting is an invocation. Woo! We meet to, to get God to help us with our decisions with one another. You need to know how to handle that coworker. You need to know how to handle that messy boss. You need to know how to handle that sneaky boo. Come to church and in the meeting, there are family decisions. We meet to settle differences between people. We meet for forgiveness. We meet to reconcile. We meet so God can touch our heart and say, oh, just forgive him. Let it go. We meet, God, thank you. We meet so he just tells us, squash it. If they ask for your coat, give them your shirt too. If they smack you on the left side of the face, smack it. In other words, God will help you decide. You don't know what to do, but God will help you decide. He said, I'll be there in the midst to honor whatever you decide, whatever you bind, I will back it up. So I'm here to solidify your choices. So family deadlines, family decision. Let's move on. Number three, let's go to the next passage. The passage is 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 through 5. 16, 1 through 5 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. He says in verse 2, On the first day of the week, there it is, here's the meetings, on the first day of the week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that, why? So that, why? So that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift, where? To Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. Number five, but I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. Here's number three, family deadlines, family decisions, but also family donations. Uh, the Bible talks about meeting every week on the first day of the week. Why? He says meet so we can get ahead of things financially. I want you to see this. I want you to see that God is not just saying meet the first day of the week to collect money. He's saying meet the first day of the week to collect money 
money so that we don't have to collect it when the need arrives. So what he's saying is get ahead of things financially. In other words, learn the art uh, and the ministry of setting money aside or putting it aside, saving it early so that when the need occurs, you don't have to rob Peter to pay Paul and scramble asking everybody borrowing from a neighbor to make it happen. God says when you meet every week and you sow a seed into the ministry, he says you are storing up in the storehouse for your needs to be met in the future. God says, I know you're about to be laid off in a month, but when I look at how you sold into this ministry, when I look at how you set aside in your savings account, when I look at how you did your best to put things aside, he says, I got you. I got you when you're unemployed. I got you when you're on a fixed income. I got you when you're laid off. I got you when you get your pink slip. I got you when you're 15 days behind and the creditors start calling. The Bible says there are family donations that the church needs to make, that the family business needs to make. And he says there's a need that's coming up and I want to make sure we have it to give. Now, what does that mean? We just gave money to the youth, the LA uh, organization to help young men, young teens in the urban inner cities. We just gave. Why did we give that? From the monies you gave January through April, we were able to make a contribution, a family donation to that ministry. And I didn't know it, but we were watching a a, a show and an organization came on for burn victims. A woman who was burned has now opened an organization to help other burn victims through her designing business. So we want to give to that next. Family, we are making family donations, but how do we make the donation? We make the donation by your faithful, consistent giving month after month, week after week, so that when somebody calls the ministry and says, Pastor Cherry, I don't have nowhere to go. We don't have no food. We don't, I don't have to call you or make a Zoom meeting and say, we need $200. We need, no, because of your faithful giving week to week, we are ready to give the donation to the hungry person on the street. And so God says, be able to be there on the first day of the week to make collections so that you don't have to collect it at the time of need. Are you tracking with me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? It is the first day of the week, so you lay it up and in store. All right, so we got family deadlines, family decisions, family donations, so meetings matter. Let's go to the next one. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. He says, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. Uh Uh-oh incest was happening in the church. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. In other words, you incest is happening in the church and you ain't saying nothing about it. In fact, you, you're not troubled by it. So then he says in verse three, for I on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. He says, then in the name of our Lord Jesus, watch this, here it is. When you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power 
of our Lord Jesus. So notice that when we assemble, the spirit is there and the power of Jesus is there too. God, target. Look at this. This is sick. So verse five says, I have decided, watch this. I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan, the one who's committing incest in the church. He says, I have decided. Paul said, I've decided as a judgment to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. In other words, we're going to let the devil get a hold of him and hopefully things get so bad he turns around and repents. So verse six says, he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? So some people were allowing this in the church. You think you're getting away with doing stuff that ain't right. I'm telling you, God sees everything. And that's why he has family meetings. So our fourth point is then not only family deadlines, decisions, uh, but now we have then family discipline. Family discipline. The church is a place where family discipline takes in. We meet to straighten people out. Now, the Bible has a very clear order on how that works. And it's in Matthew 18 as well, which we read earlier. He says, if you see or know of someone who's having a problem or is sinning and creating, that sin is impacting and affecting the church. He says, go to that person one-on-one. Ask them about what they're doing and say, hey, I, you know, I hear that there's a little, you know, you having a little incest going on with your pops and your moms. You know, you sleeping with your stepmom, you know, and that ain't cool. You know, uh, you want to cut that out? You know, you want to cut that out? And the Bible says, if they refuse to obey or respond to that cordial uh, intervention, the Bible says, get somebody else from the church to Go back to them and see if someone else's influence will help them change their lifestyle. Yeah, so you go back to them and say, hey, I came to you by myself, but that ain't working. So I brought one of the elders. I brought one of the deacons with me this time. We just want to, you know, talk about, you know, what's kind of going on, man. I'll be seeing you on the corner, you know, selling that stuff. You know, man, that ain't cool. You know, that's a bad image for our youth. And we're trying to build youth in the church and that ain't cool. You know, so we're just trying to get you. We, we ain't trying to, you know, we're trying to bust you out. We're just trying to do it on the download. Straighten you out. We'll help you. The Bible says if they don't change then you take it before the church. That's when you make it public if they do not. And so that's what Paul was saying here. He's saying, you guys have failed to respond to it. So I'm gonna, my judgment is turn him over to the, to Satan, make this thing a public issue, let the devil get a hold of them so that hopefully things will get so bad they'll change their life around. So family discipline is a part of church. So if you think you come into the meetings and let me, let me tell you something. Oh, I love it. I love it at my meeting when there's staff members that, that report to me and they've been cutting up. Oh, I got a, I got a memo for them. I write them up. They're reprimand. I send them to HR. You know, there are all kinds of things you can do. Well, why? So you think the church is a business. The church is the kingdom of God. Did you think the church has no say so on how you're living? Oh my gosh. We are here to help one another. It's not to judge one another. Don't misconstrue that. Me and Lil Ben, we talk to each other sometimes. You know, when I talk to people or friends I know, me and Shauna, me and Joy, we talk to the people we can trust with our stuff. And we say, you know, hey, this is what's happening. We say, hey, you need to cut that out. Hey, hey, I saw you. Oh, my bad, my bad. We help each other grow. That's all I'm saying. I'm not here to judge you, but I'm here to help you grow. Are you tracking? Anybody? 
Anybody know what family discipline is? All right, let's move on then. Let's go to this next one. Uh, we've got the family discipline. The text says 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 28. It says, what is the outcome then, brethren? Here it is. When you assemble, each one has a psalm. Now watch this. When you assemble, each one has a psalm. Each one has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. He says, but let all things be done for edification or in order. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn and one must interpret. Let me go back. Let me go back to verse 26. I want you to be clear. Look at the highlighted words. When you assemble, when you are in a meeting, this is when you are in a meeting, there should be order. So look at 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, each person in turn, and one must interpret. 28, but if there is no interpreter, he must shut your mouth. No, keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So not only do we need family discipline, but here we are with number five, I believe we need family decorum. When we meet as a family, when we meet as a church, we must espouse orderliness. Family decorum is about doing things with family orderliness. We can't just get online and just decide to do whatever you want to do. You can't just come online and make a comment that is crazy. You will be deleted. You will not be respected in this meeting. You cannot go against the host's orders, procedures, and policies. In the old days, orderlies were assigned to hospitals to assist to bring order. You remember, I, I, I always think of the orderlies of uh, 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 the fat boys, the, 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 the two boys, the rappers, when they used to, uh, uh, they were the orderlies in that, that movie, uh, uh, Run DMC. And, and, and they talked about how they were orderlies and orderlies are there to assist, to bring order. We have Shauna online assisting to keep order. We have joy assisting to bring order. We've got Tony on Instagram to keep order. We've got Shanika on IG to keep order. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got people in places to keep order because meetings need order. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that you should live your life with order. You ought to start deciding to bring your life into order. The key to having order is that people are most edified when things are done in order. When you're done in order, when you live in order, when we do ministry in order, we have more impact. People are impacted when we do things right. Poor productions have poor impact on people. I have scrolled through the TV and when I see a poor production, I turn it off. But when I see a great production, great sound, great picture, great music, I watch it because it is in order. And I love when a movie makes sense. Amen. What about your life? Does your life make sense? Is your life willy nilly? Is your life all over the place? You can't make a decision. You can't make a judgment call on nothing. Everything you react 
to. You're emotionally all over the place. You have no stability whatsoever. Every week is different. Every day is a challenge because you don't know God for yourself. And God says the family meetings are to help you get decorum. That's all right. You can sign off if you want to because now this is pastoring and I'm trying to get us to see this. So having a service that is clear, having a service that starts on time, having a service that has an agenda, having a service that is filled with workers and clear messages and intentions increases our success to build people up who are meeting with us every Sunday. The Bible said, let everything be done when you meet to edify. In other words, do it in order so it'll edify. In other words, do it so it builds people up. I'm telling you, your life won't impact anyone's life if your life is not in order. Order brings edification. Order brings edification. Order brings edification. You meet to organize our efforts to edify. We're not meeting just to meet. I'm not up here because I ain't got nothing else to do. I'm meeting here so I can help you, cousin Kevin, get on your throne. I'm here to help you, Cynthia, keep doing what you're doing. We meet to keep order in the family business. So let's get things to be done in order so we can edify. Let's go move on. Got to move on to the next one. Acts 20 and 7 says, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them intending to leave the next day and he prolonged his message until midnight. Notice, we gathered together to break bread. And I like this one, particularly myself, but not only family decorum, but we have family dinners. Uh, We must come together to break bread. Dinner meetings are often soft business meetings, but they're more about sharing. Have you ever had a meeting at lunch? Those are not hardcore meetings, but they are soft meetings, and the focus is not just on the business, it's also on sharing. I don't know about you, but Back in the old day, we used to have barbecues and chicken dinners and sandwiches after church because it was a family dinner. The preaching was done. We had we had this time to fellowship together. It's a time to get to know one another. I would like for us as a church one day when the pandemic dies down to meet somewhere where we can break bread together. I'm not talking about communion in this instance. I'm talking about just eating some good old salad and Wheaties. No, not Wheaties. Uh, how about fruit and bread or whatever? Even a vegan, if you're a vegan, we'll, that will go to a place that suits you too. We break bread. Watch this now. We break bread to break hard exteriors. That's why we meet by the meat because we break those hard exteriors. When we eat together, it breaks down that, that wall people have put up. And you can't always get to people through the internet. You can't always get to people through the meeting. You got to come on, come on, go to lunch with me next week. I used to meet one-on-one sometimes with the staff that reported to me because it broke the animosity. It broke the tension. It helped with productivity. And I'm telling you, God says we need to meet family meetings. We need to have some dinners. And that's why God gifts some of our mothers to be able to cook so well and to be able to 
make them cakes and to be able to make that mac and cheese and to be able to make them oxtails and the peach cobbler. Come on, somebody bless Pastor Jerry with a peach cobbler in Jesus' name. I just said it. Wait, <laughs> so we break bread to break the hard exterior. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, what he said, eat, drink, and be merry. Eating and drinking softens you up. It's family sharing. It's time to fellowship. Open up to each other. Dinners are also a time for great instruction from elders. Don't you remember Big Mama? Big Mama then back in the day, what was soul food? Sunday on soul food. After we ate, what Big Mama, the patriarchs and the matriarchs used to sit all the kids around and what would they do? They would tell them a story. They would talk about the good, the, the good old days. And that's what Paul was doing. The Bible said they were gathered and they were breaking bread and Paul was teaching. In other words, once your exterior softens up, you're open for the word of God. I set you up. You didn't even know it. I set you up. I set you up, Omari. So he says the first day of the week, you come together to break bread. Paul preached, come together to fellowship. We used to go eat almost every Sunday after church. We used to go to Denny's. We used to go to Norm's. We used to go to uh, uh, what? Bob's Big Boy. We used to go to Clifton's down there on Crenshaw. We used to go to eat after God, because anybody, does anybody, Terry, baby sister, you remember that. D-Lo, you probably remember that. After church on Sunday, we would go eat because the church Ah, we understood that it gave us fellowship and it helped us execute what God was doing in our life. I'm moving on. I got to move on. Let's go to Acts 12, 5. I'm wrapping it up. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Acts 12, 5. He says, so Peter has kept in the prison. Watch this. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And then the next passage says, Acts 12, 12, and when he realized this, Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. So watch this now. Look at that. They were gathered together and were praying. So we meet, why? We meet. Peter was in prison. Let me go back. Let me go back. Look at verse 11. Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. So then he says, when he realized this and they gathered together, he saw that they were praying. So what is this we need then? We meet for what? Family deliverance. Come on, y'all. Not just family dinners. If you haven't caught on by now, uh, Daddy Kane, all the families start with D. Do you see that? Decisions, decorum, the dinner, deliverance. So this is to help you. So watch this. We need to meet so we can deliver people. So if you stay at home, what you're saying is, I don't want to deliver nobody. Peter was locked up in jail. And you should read Acts 12, the whole thing by yourself. Read the whole story. But it's important to meet to pray because somebody might be in an abusive situation at home and they need us to come together and pray for deliverance to happen. Deliverance is brought about through prayer. If anybody gets delivered, I guarantee you somebody was praying. I'm going to say that again. If someone gets delivered, somebody's been praying. Why? Because prayer changes things. And so Peter was in prison. In Acts 12, you can read it. But when he was in prison, the Bible said the angel came and opened up the prison and said, go and get on out of here, go on out of here. And so once he got out of the prison, he went to Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, where they had been praying, the praying saints, watch this, Peter went and knocked on the door. Now the people in the house were praying. They were praying for Peter's deliverance. 
Peter knocks on the door while they in there praying for Peter to be delivered. So the lady comes to the door, answers the door and says, hey, uh, can I help you? He says, it's Peter. The woman runs back into the house and says, Peter's at the door, y'all. Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. And the people in the house, watch this now. The people in the house said, no, he ain't. He ain't even at the door. It ain't real. You just, girl, you tripping. You just said, no, come to. And that's what happens when you miss out on the meetings, when you're not in tune with God, when you're not in tune with this. Ah, God, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Your deliverance is at the door, but you can't even see it. Right here is your deliverance. Right here is when two or three are gathered in his name. Right here. If we can agree on something in prayer, somebody might get set free today. If we can agree in prayer, somebody might change their lives today. But because you don't want to go to church, and church, and I don't, it don't take all that, and I don't need it all. Oh, go in the other room, but help me find two or three who are willing to pray and believe God that if Peter was in jail, some point they're going to be delivered. Is there anybody online who's praying with me and we're believing that God will do what we ask him to do? The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. He says, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And he said, if we know that he hears us, then we have the petitions we have desired. God says you have not because you ask not. You dare trust God to deliver your child from drugs and alcohol. You dare to ask God to deliver your marriage. You dare to ask God to deliver your neighbor down the street. You dare to ask God to get your uncle or cousin out of prison. I dare anybody to agree with me in prayer about something and we'll watch God deliver. We meet so we can get people out of trouble. We meet every week because somebody's life is going to come out of danger. We meet to deliver people and you might be shocked. Somebody might knock on your door and say, I just came to thank you for praying for me. I know you haven't seen me. You haven't heard from me in months, but I know you've been praying and look at what God has done. Why? Because you kept faithfully coming to church on Sunday and God's going to deliver. Oh, Mari, I want you to know my little brother, God does deliver. God goes through with it with you. He knows where your pain. I know you've been through some stuff, my little brother, but I came to tell you we meet every week. Even when you weren't able to meet with us, we were still praying. Me and Ben talk about you. Me and the bros talk about you. We're holding you up. And I came to tell you online, even when you don't make it every week. Sometimes I call your name by mistake because you're still on my heart and I pray for you week after week. Even when you don't show up, I show up because I understand that we meet to deliver. I got to move on. I'm wrapping this up. We're headed to the home stretch, Daddy Kane. Here we come. We're bringing it on down. The Bible says three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. Ah, you see, as I tricked That's why I wanted all the men to come today. I wanted all the men to be there because the scripture says, 
three times a year. All your males shall appear before the Lord. Every man of every household is supposed to come before the Lord your God at the feast of the unleavened bread and at the feast of weeks and at the feast of booths and they shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. So don't come empty handed. So not only then do we have this family deliverance, but we also have family development. The men, these meetings are part of developing. As a father, I look at my children and I try to talk to them about how to develop their lives. We have the power to develop. Some artists who work with pottery, you form the pottery in the hands. You are developing something. When I'm in the studio writing music and I'm playing the keyboards, I am developing something. But let me tell you something, that song will never be developed if I don't meet in the studio. That child will never be developed if I don't meet to talk with them. That marriage will never be developed if we don't go to counseling to meet to make it better. There's a power of meeting that causes development. Stuff God says he calls things that are not and he makes them as though they were. In other words, he brings things that don't exist into existence. There's a meeting that happens when you come together and other words, you can't figure it out on your own, but God said, find somebody else to get in the room with you together, and I will give you the mindset to develop it further. God doesn't want any lone rangers, and he doesn't want to share his glory with anybody. So what he says is, so you don't get the big head and think that you're so smart. I'm going to make you dependent upon other people. And he says, as long as you can find two of three people that you can meet with from week to week, I will give you the power to develop something in your life. And that's what these Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Booths were about. They were to bring the men together as heads of household. They were to meet annually for family gatherings for transition. In other words, these were like, you remember, oh, watch this, watch this now, Joy. Then I'm going to get this one. Why do you think families have family reunions? Family reunions occur. They don't happen every week. You don't have, listen, this meeting we're talking about is not every week. Development takes time. I want you to understand God says meet with me three times a year because what you're going to develop takes time to form. And some stuff that happens week to week, you may not see God doing it. You may not see it happen right now, but it's being developed. Somebody say develop it, God. God is working on something in your life, but it's going to take six months. But he says, I'll have it ready for you when you come to the next annual meeting. We used to go to conventions every summer, Church of the Living God, and we would meet somewhere in some state in the United States. And every year we would look to see how well we have developed. God dog it. It's not about the sermon that was preached on that day. We're not talking about dropping seed in the ground and immediately seeing a miracle. We're talking about God gave you 12 months to be better. And he said, 12 months later, I'm going to send you to the convention so that people can see what a year makes. I want people to see how you've developed, how you developed over your alcoholism, how you developed 
developed over your tramping and hoeing, how you developed over your being loose with your money, how you developed over cussing and lying and sneaking and cheating. I want the world to see how you are developed and the family meetings are to display development. I call it family development meetings because development, developments are memories or recollection of the past to give rise to the appreciation of the present. Uh, a recollection, a meeting of development is where we come and we stand and we say, well, six months ago I was smoking 12 packs a day, but today I stand before you and I'm down to one. Development is reminiscing or recollecting about where you were to focus the attention and give appreciation to where you are. I'm telling you, God wants to develop you in a way to where you shine like the glory he has on his life. You're not where you should be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. Why do you think I have something that's called a quarterly report? I don't ask you every week how you're doing because you need time to work on it. I'm giving you three months of pop to work on something in your life, and then I ask you for a report. And then at the end of the year, I'm going to give an annual report about how well we did in ministry. Somebody say development takes time. Development takes time, but you need a meeting in order to know what's developing. Some of you don't even know what to look for is changing, but that's what our weekly meetings are. Our weekly meetings point to what you're working on. You can't see it growing. Nobody sees them growing themselves growing. Nobody sees that you grew an inch. You grow while you're sleeping. Nobody can see the changes in church from week to week. But look at me. Take a snapshot January 1. Then take a snapshot December 31st. I bet you see a difference from that photo and that photo, but you would not see the net difference from January 1 to January 8. Somebody say, develop me, God. It is to understand where you have come from to where you are now. These meetings exist to establish memorable milestones that trigger change in my psyche and action in my body. In other words, God says, I'll give you a memory of what I took you from so you can praise me for where you are now. God says, I'll remind you of all the hell you went through last year, but look at where you are right now. God said, that's development. If you look at the seed you planted in the ground, it wasn't much five years ago, but look at your small business now. Look at your customer base now because you put your trust in God. You got customers in other states across the world because you decided that's development. The family is about development. God, I feel preaching. God is about letting you know that he will grow you. In other words, he will conform you to the image of his own son, Jesus Christ. And I came to share notice with you. I'm telling you, Facebook and IG, you got to get better. You got to be better. This is the days of coming to church and no change are over. And if that's your desire, quit coming here. Because my goal is to see development. Somebody shout development. Ah, God, I got to move on. Get on out of here, preacher. We've come to be forgiven. We've come to be healed. We've come to be cleansed. We've come to be cured. We've come to be changed. That's why I called the church breath for change. I think this is my final scripture. I believe it is. I think we're wrapped it up. 
Therefore, verse 20 says, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first and one is hungry and another is drunk. Oh, hold on. Wait a second. Look at verse 20 says, when you meet together. He says, you meet not to eat the Lord's Supper. So now we're talking about communion. We ain't talking about barbecue. We ain't talking about the family dinner. We're talking about something else. So he says in 21, then he goes to verse 22. He says, what? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? In other words, if you come into church just to, to have food and drink and just act up, he said, you can do that at your house. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? In other words, you come, you eat up everything else and then nobody else has anything to eat because you're just greedy. You soak up all the spirituality. You come in, I should come in a Honda. Oh, praise the Lord. Glory, hallelujah. You make all this noise, but your life is silent. You have no impact. You have no power in the world. And you keep people who really need this gospel from getting their gospel. So he says, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. There is no praise for people who come to church and don't respect the sacredness of the house. So let me read this. Uh, Verse 26 says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, talking about communion, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, And then he says, therefore, whoever eats, the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So in other words, whoever comes to church for the wrong reasons, you will be guilty of the reasons for which you came to the church. So let me give you this last one. Here it is. It's called family defining. Ah, God. Ah, we need family defining. In other words, we need meetings to make sure we're meeting for the right reasons. We need to define who you are, Mama Cain. We need to define who you are, Tony. We need to define who you are, Preachy. We need a defining moment. Oprah calls it the aha moment. In other words, after we meet so many times, we start understanding who we are. God, preach, Pastor Cherry. This meeting, we don't take communion every week, do we? No. We take it the first week of the month. This is a monthly meeting, but every month you ought to have four weeks to define you. It is a monthly meeting to remind us all why we are here. You ought to come knowing why you came. You ought to come into the house with Thanksgiving. You ought not be so disappointed when somebody says something the wrong way to you. Why? Because you've been defined already by God. You shouldn't be so short on self-esteem when somebody doesn't like you because of your hairstyle or because of the way you look. Why? Because God has already defined you. Thank God for a ministry that preaches and teaches the word that defines you. It's the word that defines you. It's not my words. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I can make it go, but it's the word that is the power of God unto salvation. These meetings are to maintain family purity. 
So the more defined we are as members, the more pure we are in the house. The more pure you are in knowing who you are, the more pure our meetings are when we meet. Oh, I'm giving you teaching. This keeps us decontaminated and undiluted in our hope and worship. In other words, the more pure we are, the more confidence we have in the prayers we pray. The more defined we are in knowing what God has built in our lives, the more confidence we come in with our hands lifted up and we know God will hear our praise. The more confident and defining we know we are in God, the more God will break down heaven to try to answer our prayer. God was moved with compassion when he saw the hearts of the people going through what they're going through. If we can come pure before God with the right reasons to the sacramental table, when we come with our hearts right, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ, we won't worry about who got the seat here and whether or not I'm going to be recognized and they didn't speak to me. Oh, shut up. Be defined by the word of God. The word of God is a pure word and it will heal you and define you. In other words, you become defined to where you are distinct. I know I'm defined because there ain't no other Pastor Cherry the third in the world. There ain't but one in all the universe. I've been defined by God. Nobody else preaches like I preach. Nobody else teaches like I teach. I'm distinguishable. Ah, Eddie Murphy thought he was the only one making a movie called The Distinguished Gentleman. But I am the distinguished pastor. In other words, I've been defined by the word of God. All the words that describe these meetings have defined who I am. This meeting happens once per month and we call it Communion Sunday. So if you can come to the table with a right heart, if you can't come to break bread with us and you thinking about having sex or drinking or eating and using somebody, please don't take communion with us because the communion is powerful. It is a transformation of the recognition of the semblance of who we are in Christ. In other words, as he died, we died. As he rose, we rose. As he has power, we have power. But you can only experience that when you come in purity. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying? They are meetings that define us because they are meetings that distinguish us. They are meetings that define us because they are meetings that distinguish us. It's not like in any other meeting that you have at home. In other words, what happens in church cannot happen in the corporate building. In other words, when we get together in the presence of God, that can happen nowhere else in the world. When you meet with God and when you meet with purity, that thing that happens in that moment, oh God, anybody know what I'm talking about? Where the disciples said is joy unspeakable and full of glory. In other words, you don't have words to explain it. I was listening to an old song the other day and I just heard the organ and the woman was singing an old 100. I felt all kind of stuff back from the 70s. I felt like I was at the altar. I felt like I was about to fall out on the altar. Why? Because I knew the Holy Ghost had captured me in my moment. In other words, it's the only place where God, the power, and the Spirit show up and make that a unique, identifiable, defining, and distinguished moment in your life. That's what the altar is supposed to be. After I preach, we have an altar call so you can define yourself at the altar and become distinguishable in the world. I conclude with this, my beloved. The conclusion 
is that the benefit of all these meetings sums up to this, that our meeting together unifies us and it gives us clarity of purpose. It gives us clarity of the people in our life. It gives us clarity of the places and it gives us clarity of our productivity. (laughs) When you come to these meetings on a regular basis, you get clear on your purpose. You get clear on the people in your life. You get clear on the place you should be and you get clear on the productivity you should be producing. (laughs) So these meetings unify us to our purpose. They help us know who to cut off and who to keep. They help us distinguish where we should be because the place should be sacred. God said to Moses, take off your shoes because where you stand is on holy ground. But here's what I, here's what's a trip. 20 feet the other direction, he could keep his shoes on because that ground ain't holy. My point is, there's a place in your life where it becomes sacred when you step on it. I'm trying to tell you, there's a place that becomes clear that you know that you know that you know that God has you there for a reason. God told Joshua, he said, wherever you place your foot, wherever you step on, that shall be the land that I give to you. In other words, there's a sacred parameter. There's a sacred geological boundary set that God has designed just for you. And coming to these meetings will help you understand that. And finally, these meetings will motivate you to productivity. I hope some of you get offline today saying, man, I can't wait to get out there and share my faith with somebody. I need for some people to walk away from this Shanika saying, God has been good to me and I got something to offer. The sum of these meetings, it's to my benefit. It benefits me understanding my purpose. I keep telling you, what is your franchise? How will you be able to spread this gospel? It's a benefit to the people in your life. You start attracting people who are a blessing and not parasites who are just draining you. It's a benefit. It establishes the place where you should live and where you should be, and it gives you productivity in your life. Somebody say, Lord, help me produce. We get all this from just me. We get all this joy from just meeting. So if you sit there at home today saying, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to meet. Well, you listen to this message all over again. Today, I hope we are all clear on how important the family meetings are to God's family business. Without these meetings, we cannot function in his operation, accomplishing his will. So let's keep getting together so we can keep changing the world for Jesus. I'm PC, and that's all I've got.